What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, Baseball Ballsy this week. I'm Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News, along with Kevin Sherrington. Hello. Barry Horn. Hello, Evan. And on our line, repeat caller Thad Levine, Assistant General Manager of the Texas Rangers, to be grilled on all things spring training. Thad, how are you? I'm doing great this morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. We had a lot of people lobbying to get on this morning, but... Um, you, we, you got in ahead of Cam Newton, who wanted to be on. Yeah. Yeah, he had some I, things I he wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Cam said, listen, as it turns out, I do have some things I wanted to say after last night. Hey, Thad, we are, get, we are 10 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, but uh, ahead of that, we are two days away from a potential arbitration case. Uh, I know that doesn't really excite you. What is your general feeling on the whole arbitration process since you guys have not gone with a player here? You know, I think our philosophy all along is that we try to leave the door open to negotiate as long as possible and give ourselves as many avenues to get a deal done, shy of going into a hearing room and having three three impartial judges decide our case. And we're two days away from that with Mitch Moreland, and sometimes these take a little bit longer than other times. And as we speak, I'm driving to the airport to fly to Phoenix, Arizona, and hopefully we can uh, resolve this matter here before Wednesday morning. So there are you are still in the process of it, this has not become a file and go situation uh, in which you've broken off any talks. You guys are still hopeful of resolving this, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We we try as best we can to not put ourselves in those types of intractable positions. We always want to leave the doors open and try to get a deal done, and ideally a fair one. And we, we aspired to do it a while ago, but it hasn't happened just yet. But we're still optimistic we can do something before Wednesday. Would Would Mitch be in the room during? the arbitration yes the way it's set up is that mitch would be in the room uh he would be sitting across the table from us and he will have his agent and a practitioner who will probably be trying the case as we would have a practitioner trying ours but we're all in a small conference room together in a hotel hold up in phoenix arizona but hopefully it does not come to that is it less about the money he could get from an arbitrator than it is just maybe the hard feelings from the from the going back and forth here always have to factor that in you know when anytime you're in a room in that scenario as above board as you try to stay i think the player oftentimes walks out with some negative feelings now the reality though is it's our job to do the best we can for the organization and try to get fair deals done so from time to time we're put in those positions where that's the only avenue but as i said earlier we really try to exhaust every other avenue possible to try to avoid those types of hard feelings hey you did you try a case with colorado I did. I did back in the day. Uh, Dennis Reyes was the player. We had just acquired him from Cincinnati. And Matt Vanola, who is by and large the guy who was responsible for arbitration on our side, also tried a case, which was the Brian Fuentes case. So the fact that the Rangers haven't gone in quite some time, both Matt and I actually individually have gone uh, in the last, I guess, 10 to 12 years here. I don't even want to know what was said in the Dennis Reyes case. I I hope you didn't mention anything about the fact that he was kind of he walked kind of lopsided. <laughs> he, he, he walked. He walked into the room with a full bath towel and announced to the panel that he sweats when he gets nervous. At that 
that point, I looked to my left at our practitioner and said, unless one of us uh, starts drooling uncontrollably, I think we're decided underdogs right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how did that case come out? Uh, shockingly, we lost. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest you go with bat, Mitch with the, the towel. Prevailed. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Bat prevailed. Uh, all right, let's get into spring training just a little bit. Um, uh, are you... I have uh, talked with a lot of people on social media, which we all know rules everybody's life, and, and, and actually ran a poll uh, last week in which I asked folks what they're more concerned about going into spring training, uh, depth in the starting rotation or, or depth in the outfield. And, and from my perspective, uh, the, the starting pitching is something that I'm still a little bit concerned about at this moment in terms of depth options, certainly until Darvish gets back. Where do you guys stand? Is is one a higher priority than the other right now? I, I think we agree with you, Evan. I, I think we look at it as a standpoint of uh, we would like to add another pitcher to the depth uh, on the starting side. It doesn't have to be a top-of-the-rotation guy, but we would like to add something there. You know, we, Having lived through 2014 and to a lesser extent 2015, we're just so keenly aware that you can't have enough pitching going into camp. Uh, so we'd rather have a surplus there than any sort of deficiency. We, we do believe we've got a great wave of pitchers coming, uh, but ideally a lot of those guys would start at AAA and be the next line of defense rather than call the duty as of opening day. Now, if that's the way it plays out, we're, we're, we'll be very positive about that. But if we could push those guys back down to AAA, create an even greater cushion, I think we see starting pitching as, as still the priority to add some more depth at this stage. So, so gathering that point up a little bit here, uh, we saw the Astros sign Doug Fister. Uh, and this is a guy in your division, uh, a one-year deal, and that was for $7 million. And I guess it can go up to twelve. I think, if he gets all the incentives. Uh, of course, if he gets $12 million, that means he had a great year. Um, was there any discussion among uh, you guys about uh, taking a run at him? Yeah, we, we had a lot of discussion uh, through the GM meetings and the winter meetings with our professional scouts and coaching staff about really the whole landscape of starting pitching that was out there. You know, at that time, there were a lot of top-end guys who were, were dominating the marketplace, but we've always kind of kept our eye toward the middle market to the lower end of the market. Doug Fister has been a guy that we've had a lot of interest in over the years. Uh, at this stage, and we had, we had conversations with Paige Odell, who is his representative throughout the process, uh, ultimately – they ended up going to Houston, and we're continuing to, to look at the remaining guys in the marketplace. But I think it was just a case at this time that it's probably at a price point that, we, that was less, a little bit less appealing to us and more appealing to Houston. When, when, when there's, a, there's a pitcher like Fister, and you know it's a team in your division who is going to sign him or you think is going to sign him, does that add to the urgency? Or, or if he was going to the NL West, would you, would you have a different feeling about it? all along has really been to look at the, the our end of any deal, you know, whether it's a free agency and then evaluating what's still on the marketplace relative to the guy going off the market or a trade. We've always tried to look at our end of the deal. So we have not been shy about trading within our division or really overly competitive when we find out that the, the, the player that we're pursuing may end up going to somebody else in our division. I think we're still looking at the alternatives and or what we're getting in the trade back ourselves. And if we're comfortable with that, then I think we're, we're okay with where the player lands. And this is very consistent, Barry, with what John Daniels has said all along and, and going back several years with the, the idea of, you know, do, do, what other teams either in the division or other head-to-head contenders 
what they do, does that impact you? And, and, and the organization's philosophy in, in talking with me has always been, no, that, that's the last part of it is, is we have to focus on what makes our team better and what we can do in our, in our payroll group. Thad, the, the next guy I wanted to ask about is Linscombe. I know you guys will watch his workout this week, and I know this is also a guy that, that you guys have had some interest in uh, in the past, particularly when it went back to, to, to the amateur draft. Uh, does, would a guy like Linscombe, who might have to take a minor league contract, does that make it kind of a, a, a more uh, attractive situation right now than, than going after a guy that you'd have to add to the major league roster? Well, you know, we, we've monitored his health progress throughout the offseason and his rehab. We've been in close contact with his agent as well, and we're, we're definitely going to be in, in attendance at his next growing session and, and evaluate him. Uh, I think you bring up an interesting point. What started at the beginning of the offseason in terms of contract expectations, I think from their perspective, probably have changed slightly uh, as he is still, you know, waiting to have that growing session. But no, I think by and large, we're, we're looking at the right player at this point, and if that's a guy on the roster or if that guy's not on the roster, is relatively secondary to us. We do feel very comfortable with our 40-man roster as it currently stands. We don't have obvious guys in our minds to take off, but if we can find the right starting pitcher that adds depth uh, for Doug Brokale and for, for Jeff Bannister, we'll add that guy whether he's on the roster or not. Hey, is there anything on Linscombe? You know, I, you look at his velocity numbers, and they've obviously dropped tremendously over the years. Is there anything from, from whatever due diligence you guys have done to indicate that the hip injury that, that he's bouncing back from uh, has been an impact on that drop in velocity and that he could pick some back up? That certainly is our supposition, that it is the hip injury which has caused some problems. Uh, you know, it, it affects his you know, hip, hip turn and it's thrust off the, off the rubber. So yet to be determined, and I think that's why we and so many other clubs are so eager to see him throw right now. Uh, to see if the the injury was indeed the re- was responsible for the drop in velocity, or if it was in something else. Evan, Evan, why don't you just educate us and tell tell everybody which Lincecum, Tim Lincecum, tell us about it? Who we were talking about? <laughs> Tim Lincecum, <laughs> former Cy Young okay. winner. Okay, well, uh, the guy who uh, you know was absolutely dominant for San Francisco, really, you know, in 2010, 2011, but has has had significant arm injuries and in in this hip injury and his has seen his effectiveness go down and really was not a part of the, the Giants' rotation. And, and I, I think this is the kind of guy that, I, correct me if I'm wrong, in, in 14 you brought Joe Saunders in on a minor league deal in during camp. You brought, last year you brought Wandy in at the, on I think he signed him on opening day of the regular season. And whether it's Linscombe or not, I think you guys could look to kind of have that same kind of procession of guys that you run in and out as as almost tryout guys during during camp. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. And I think most of those free agents who are still out in the marketplace look at our situation and feel as if they have a bona fide chance to make our rotation. So we, we become an attractive destination, certainly until mid-May when, when Darvish comes back. And I think most of those guys who are confident about their ability look at it and say anything can happen in between now and May and that they won't lose their spot. I would wonder a little bit on Tim Linscombe. It's, it's amazing to me that he's had the career he's had for such a little guy, you know, to, and that freakish delivery. Yes, you know, and so that that would be my one concern about him is that this is a guy who got 
maximum out of his capabilities and his talent level uh, and, you know, that maybe he's, maybe it's just finally done on him. Uh, and, of course, you guys are looking at him. If you think that that's the, the problem is with the hip, it, it's certainly, it, it, you know, it, this is not going to be a, a, a big expenditure or commitment to, to bring him in to, to do what you want to do. Well, I think you bring up a good point is he has such a violent and unique delivery that, you know, it makes a lot of sense that it put a lot of stress on his hip. The question is, can he recapture uh, all of his stuff and, and you know, what made him so effective if he tones down that delivery or if that injury is still nagging in any way, shape, or form. I think this is where we really rely heavily on our medical staff. You know, Keith Meister, Jamie Reed, Kevin Harmon, Matt Lucero. You know, not that we're putting it all on their shoulders, but we, we seek their counsel almost as much as we seek that of our scouts when you're trying to make a decision on a guy like Tim Lincecum. All right, let's move to the back of your uh, pitching staff into the bullpen. And uh, this is a question we brought up before when we had Doug Brocale on talking about uh, just the, all the, uh, the great arms y'all have added this year. I, I don't think I can ever remember a time when uh, a Rangers bullpen going into a season had what seems like this much potential with this many guys who have the uh, ability to, to maybe even be closers. And so brought up the natural question for us, which is, uh, is it a possibility y'all could gravitate to a situational closer? Neftali Fleece faltered out of the blocks last year. Uh, Jeff Bannister did go to a, a closer-by-committee concept. Now, Sean Tolleson was the guy he had in mind to begin with, and he gave him the lion's share of those opportunities. And we all saw what Sean did with those opportunities. So I, I think in an ideal scenario, that is one role you like to have nailed down on your staff. But we, the reality is we do have so, such a wealth of options back there. I think we'll probably mix and match a little bit more in the seventh and eighth innings than we will the ninth. Uh, but the ninth will be Sean Tolleson to start the season. The, the the thing that's interesting to me about that, uh, that and, and I and I certainly respect what you're saying there, and I think that's probably the way to go. But uh, we have so many numbers uh, that are available to us now to study situations and, and matchups. And really, the whole idea of a closer is something that's what thirty years old, forty years old in in baseball, where you just had one guy who you you stuck out there uh, in bringing in the ninth inning, and and, and and when in fact you know lots of the times the guys coming in clean, you know there, there's nobody on base. You, you kind of in some ways create these closers, uh, certainly a lot of them, uh, just because of, of the way that they're used. It seems to me that with all the numbers we have now, that that is the one area where we could see a radical change if, if the players will, are amenable to that. And we agree with that. You know, I think since we've had uh, these opportunities with the Texas Rangers, outside of Joe Nathan, and that was a two-year deal, we, we've never truly invested heavily in a closer. And we, because we subscribe to exactly what you said, which is we, we believe in matchups in the back end of the ball, ball game. We also believe that stuff plays, and if you have the right mentality, uh, your stuff could play up even considerably more. So, We've always turned over that role to outside of outside of Nathan. We've really always turned over that role to guys who are in arbitration or pre-arbitration, guys who by and large don't have a ton of experience. So we're very open to, to kind of playing the numbers back in the back end of the game and not necessarily being married to one individual. But hey, what's the latest on Nathan? Are you guys? He is trying to come back. For those who aren't aware, had the Tommy John surgery. I know you guys talked with him during the winter meetings. Is there, is there any realistic chance that he could potentially join you guys as almost like an adjunct coach at AAA and, and maybe work his way back to the big leagues? You know, we, we've had a lot of conversations with Joe. We had a ton of respect for what he did for the franchise while he was here, and it sounds like the feeling is mutual that he really enjoyed his time as well. 
he's definitely committed at this point to trying to make a full comeback. We, we respect that. We have had some conversations with him about what he wants to do after his playing career. So we'll monitor his throwing sessions and to see how his rehab progresses. But it sounds like that's not a opening day decision at this point. So it'll be it'll be he won't be ready until after April first sometime. No, that's our belief at this time. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna ask, you know, we started off talking about arbitration. How do you get pitchers to buy into closing by committee? Because their their salaries and and their money depends on their stats and 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 everybody wants to have the saves because then they can go into arbitration and say I had X number of saves and X number of opportunities. Is it difficult to get pitchers to buy into the bullpen by committee, for lack of a better phrase? I, I think you know you, you try to sell them on the the chance to be part of a winning environment, and you hope that resonates with them. But I think you bring up a good point, which is you know and we don't slight a person for this, but these guys are focused on earning the highest salary they can. Their careers are, by and large, fleeting. And so I, I think if you want to truly affect that outcome in its, in its purity, you probably need to properly incent them by paying them accordingly and being a little bit less married to the save statistic in terms of driving a player's salary and maybe more to some other secondary statistics that speak to their effectiveness late in the game. So I think if you really want to get pitchers to buy into that, you probably have to compensate them accordingly and, and move a little bit away from just singularly looking at the safe statistics. Yeah, I think what the deal is here, Thad, is that you can't say a bullpen by committee. That has a bad connotation to it. I think if we say situational closer, I think that's something that, 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 that resonates a little bit better with these guys. All right, so we're all in agreement. We're just going to call it situational closer to help the Rangers out. Is yes, that what we're going to yes. do? Yeah, we're, we're creating a whole new deal. We're the new John Lowe's. You know, he created the save, You know, our old, our old pal, John Lowe. So, so we're going to call it create situational saves. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like there it. we go. There we go. Hey, Thad, before we let you go, last thing, and, and we will let you go, but there has been a lot of interest from, from readers uh, wondering about the Josh Morgan experiment. And let me just background this for those who aren't aware. Josh Morgan, very talented middle infield prospect who you guys did work with a little bit at catcher, uh, I believe, during the instructional league. What is the plan for him going into spring training? Will he play catcher primarily? Will he play the infield? Uh, what is the plan? All right, so it's, it's a great point, Evan, and like kind of to, to take a little bit of a bigger picture view on this, we have a number of scouts who believe in converting guys to becoming catchers as the most effective way to make major league catchers. And you know, if you look at Russell Martin as a perfect example of that in the big leagues and one of the most accomplished catchers right now. Look at your and, own and guys. Rafik, yes, exactly. Robinson Trinos as well. And Rafik Saab and our international scouting, Scott Angler and our professional scouting are two guys who are the biggest proponents of this. Scott Angler was one of the guys who saw Josh Morgan uh, play a position out in the field, shortstop and third base, and said, hey, why don't we try this guy behind the plate? Josh had a ton of interest in it. So to answer your question in terms of how we're going to tackle this in spring training, I think we need to huddle back up with our coaching staff and with Josh to see if his heart's still in it. Uh, we're strong believers that even if you have the tools, you've you got to be committed to the to the process. We're going to revisit with uh, Josh on that, and you know we'll probably see him play a blend of the infield and catching. We want to keep his agility and his flexibility by – by playing a position out in the field, and I think we feel that will only benefit him. Uh, but we would like to see him behind the plate. We we think he has a bright future there. Thad, we're gonna we are gonna let you go. I know you've got a flight to catch, and you've got you've got some strategy to come up with on how you. Uh, combat the potential dab towel in an arbitration. Yeah, I say bring a beach towel. Was what I say. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I'd yeah, bring. No. A, maybe a crying bucket. Maybe something like that. <laughs> 
maybe some readers will suggest some stuff that may be of help once you get into the room. But uh, thank you so much for taking time. We look forward to seeing you in spring training and uh, a great a great update on the on the club and and particularly the pitching staff. Guys, thank you very much for having me on. All right, Sam, take care. Thanks for having. Thanks for putting up with us. I think is, is the yeah. There, there you go. Thad Levine, a great guy. You know, here's a question I want to ask about Thad Levine. Why the heck has he not taken a a job someplace else? Well, I, I think part of it is he's incredibly analytical when it comes to things like that, and hasn't just pursued a GM. Because he's job. been up for how many jobs? He's been up for a number of jobs, but I I, I can't give you an exact number. But certainly he's been. Uh, he talked to a handful of clubs in the past year when several jobs came open. But but I think Thad's perspective has been, uh, number one, quality of life for, for his family. I think that's been a big deal. Secondly, he has given, been given more and more responsibility here. This He took over, and I would have – maybe the next time we have him on, we do a whole segment on international scouting with him. But he's kind of taken over the international scouting department since A.J. Preller left. And that's really the first time he's headed a full-scale department. Uh, and and I, the other thing I think is I look at that and you talk to him, uh, and, and, and I think one of his real strengths that, that when we get to know him a little bit that plays out so well that maybe other owners and presidents don't gather in a one-on-one interview just the first time you meet him is this guy understands interpersonal dynamics really, really well. Are you saying that John Daniels doesn't? No, I think they. I think he does too. But I think Thad has a way of of understanding that, and I think he's got a way of relating it to other people in such a way that people can grasp it. And this is not. This is not. That's not to say that John Daniels doesn't. It's not to say that other guys don't. I think he's exceptional in that area, and I think it's it's a talent that a general manager has to have. That unfortunately, we all come down now to. How can a guy crunch numbers? How can a guy, you know, does he talk the lingo of a scout? Uh, all that stuff. And, and and what this guy does is he understands people well, manages people well. And, and I think that ultimately what will happen here, and, and I've said this now for over a year, is I think that at some point John Daniels will move into more of a president, strictly president title. Thad will have the GM title. And they will work more as a partnership, more so than than the uh, 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 Theo Epstein Jed Hoyer combination does in Chicago, but something kind of similar in in setup. And and this is a good spot for him. He's been given a lot of autonomy. He he speaks for the franchise a lot now, uh, and, and he has really grown into this role uh, here. And I, I think I think when it comes down to it, the Rangers were fortunate to hold on to him. Uh, uh, even maybe more so than, than some other guys. Especially the guy that, that went to San Diego. A.J. Preller, is that what you're saying, Evan? Uh, let's, well, let's I'm saying that, names. listen, A.J. has his strengths as, a, as an evaluator. He's got his strengths in, in, in terms of contacts and built all that up overseas. But I, I do think that that offers a, another set of strengths that, to me, in watching guys, I really value what, what he brings. You want him to be a face of the franchise. I, I think he can be a face of the franchise, and I think he can also be a guy who just – 
you've got to understand people's strengths and weaknesses beyond their their play their evaluation skills on on the Absolutely. field. Barry's Barry's doing this. Barry's, Barry's I'm doing this. A helicopter. Wrap, wrap, a helicopter it's, it's time. It's time to wrap up because let's talk about our other podcast. Yeah, we have we've other got, podcasts to do. We've today. got Kate Heropolis waiting at the door. I believe Kevin yes, is yes, she. I believe she I can is. hear her. Yes, she was trying to. So Kate will be on to talk about Johnny Manziel and, and her interview with Paul Manziel, Johnny's father. Von Miller, we could talk to her about as well. Could, could you? No, let's. There's something. The I, Super think Bowl Von, was I think Von Miller was before her time. Like, so. just again, like Jeb Bush, you're desperate. Okay, stop interrupting. We also had a very intense roundtable discussion on the Super Bowl. Cam Newton, Von Miller, Wade Phillips, Demarcus Ware, Demarcus Ware, and Tony a halftime show. Peyton Manning. And so we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us. For Ballsy, I'm Evan Grant. So long, everybody. Bye.